0: And now back to Gene Shepard at the Village Limelight. I feel great. (laughs) All right, now, when we come on the air, I want this to go on, see? And as I try to stop you, I want it to go higher and higher. Now, the only way you can have truly method hate (laughs) is to bring it up from the gut. Bring it up from that nice little wellspring of sickness that you all got, huh? Now, picture somebody that for years has been bugging you. Yeah, all the way. Just see them up there and let them go. See, and, 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 and and incidentally, you're perfectly safe. Oh, we're on the air? Oh, we're on the air, gang. We missed. Oh. oh.
1: Yeah. Hey fellas. Oh please, please. Oh come on. Well, oh, it's only me, I mean, you know. Oh
0: I said the wrong thing, it's only me. Hey, you know, that reminds that reminds me of something. we'll have to keep that till after we go off the air by the way what it reminds me of (laughs) oh there's a lot you don't hear on a radio gang but uh, that reminds me of something you know doesn't it feel good to let yourself go in one of those directions all right gang all together now let's give a great sigh of sadness for all those poor people out there who are still in Jersey on this beautiful night.
1: Those poor slobs! Oh, gee whiz! Those
0: poor benighted idiots out there in Pennsylvania! All they got to look forward to is a Howard Johnson in Philadelphia Oh, all together now! Let's hear it! Go. Oh, oh! Okay, now, now I will provide you. Right now, I will give you a dynamic demonstration <laughs> of, of of that peculiar that peculiar thing called uh, mass psychology. How many of you, when you were a kid, had a cute? Q- You know what I mean by a cute face that you used to use in moments of dire danger? You know that? (laughs)
1: You
0: know, and you're sitting back there about seven rows from the blackboard. You do not have your assignment. And Miss Shields is about to call on you. And your eyes are moving. You know that 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 evasive action of not trying to catch the eye of Miss Shields. How many of you practice for nine years this look? You know, your eyes you can look right at them and they can't see you. You know. Well, and all of a sudden Miss Shields says, "Gene, it's your turn."
1: <laughs> Isn't
0: that a cute look? It just comes over me. I try that on Mr. Leader at W O R every couple of weeks. And leader says, "Is that tooth still bothering you?" I <laughs> said, "You know, Bob G. was well." Well, somebody here, when we were off the air a couple of minutes ago, somebody here said, "Tell an army story." I don't know why army stories are so, so peculiarly all inclusive. People dig them. Now it has nothing to do with warfare. Well, one time, I'm in the Army. Now, the first thing that happens to you in the Army, after several other things.
1: <laughs>
0: By the way, how many of you guys still in the darkness when somebody says, hey, how long has it been since you've had anybody say to you now, uh,
1: cough?
0: <laughs> you wonder what they do with chicks, you know? It's just a question. <laughs> wondering about that. You know? You'll have to explain that when you get home. It's <laughs> a funny feeling the first time that happened. You know, you're in line.
1: <laughs>
0: it really is. You know, there's 18 million guys all lined up. <laughs> and there's a long snake line of them. You know, you'd be surprised how alike everybody looks when all their clothes are gone, you know. You're all standing there and they have painted on you in Mercurachrome a code number do you remember that when you were first going in the army a great big number on the side of you that says 617B you're walking along you know it's comforting you'd be surprised how comforting it is to have somebody put a number on you that's a big 617 I'm walking along there there's a whole bunch of other guys all ahead of me and the line went down through seven floors and out the street you see? Out the street, yeah. We're just moving forward. I didn't know what it was. I'm 12, you know. I'm in the army already, you know. And I see this little table up ahead. And sitting at the table is this nice, bald-headed-looking officer. And he keeps saying, cough. <laughs> I go, what what's going on up there, you know? And I would see these guys jumping at
1: little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: thirty seconds later he says, Cough to me. And I go (laughs) He says, No, no, not not laugh, cough. (laughs) It's very hard to cough under certain circumstances, you know. (laughs) So I go, He says, No, cough. I'm holding up the entire second (laughs) arm. I finally go, (coughs) it's okay. And and I couldn't figure out what was
1: okay. It
0: was a just strange little scene, see? Well, this is what the army begins to work into. You know, there's all kinds of little things happening that way. And finally, after infinite years in the army, now all inhibitions are gone. I am in the jungle. I'm in the middle of this this forest of palm trees, sand, coral snakes, and at 3 o'clock in the morning you'd lay there under your mosquito bar. How long has it been since you laid under a mosquito bar? A mosquito bar is just a little tent of mosquito netting, see? And all it does is keep, well, tarantulas out. All the rest of them come through there, you know. And I'm laying under there. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. The temperature is 190 degrees. And you don't hear a sound in the camp. This camp consists of 35 little hutments camouflaged, covered with brush and darkness. And then the then about two o'clock, you begin to hear the alligators. You, you ought to hear the sound of an alligator at two in the morning. They, they, they kind of go like this, and instantly four guys jump up and say, yes, sir. You know, they've been half asleep, they, oh. we had a first sergeant, that was exactly like that. And I remember three o'clock one morning, I'm laying in the sack there, and, and I can hear a guy coming up the duck boards. These things you never see in the in the little movies, you know, with Van Johnson and Rip Torn. Real army life. And I hear a guy coming up the duckboards in the dark. He has been on pass in the town, this little crummy little town that was 40 miles away. You have to get there by dugout canoe. And you swing through the vines. You finally get there. And they have, they had a USO built out of a converted phone booth. And you go there, and they give you a donut and some lemonade. You drink it. You turn around, get in your dugout canoe, and go back. That's high life, you see, in the Army. And so it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm laying there. I can't sleep. And I hear these footsteps coming on the duckboards. It's the drunken corporal coming back. There's a certain sound, you know. You hear the clunk. You hear the duckboards going. That's a sound, by the way, that's very, very common in the army, the sound of feet on duckboards. And I hear a pause. And then it's the bull alligator calling for his mate. And I hear the corporal turn around and say, What, baby? And the alligator goes, He says, I'm I'm late already. I'm on pass. I can't come. (laughs) And this alligator bellows out again. And there's another pause. And then he says, Okay, Sergeant. I'm coming. And there's another pause. And And it is the Sergeant. (laughs) Well, that's the way the army was in this stinking fetid jungle camp for well, one morning the first sergeant is standing in front of us we're all wearing our shorts nobody wore anything in this camp just the GI the GI shorts you know the GI shoes and dog tags we have all been in the sun now for two and a half years in fact I had a heat rash Boy, I'll tell you It's fantastic The places on your body You don't know well, You've got him I had a heat rash That started about Four feet underground And you could see it Sticking up in the air Up above me And I'd scratch up there And all the way down And dig in the ground To get it down there We all had it And we got barnacles Hanging on us Little, little insects That just burrowed into you And each one of us was buttered over constantly, just like 24 hours a day. We were buttered over with about a quarter and a half inches of sulfanilamide salve. Now, this tastes like a combination of, uh, well, a melted popsicle and swamp water. (laughs) And uh, everything we ate tasted of this sulfate. You eat this, you know, you taste it, you dreamed it, and you smelled it, and you lived with it. He even got so you kind of liked it, you know, you just sip it a little bit once in a while. And Gasser would get up in the morning and I'd see Gasser putting it all over him. This was for the heat rash, see. He's putting it on him, I put it on me. I see Wilson over there putting it on. And five minutes later, we're all standing out in the sun. And off in the distance, our radar set is running. Somebody asked about the radar set. Well, we were on 24 hours radar duty watching for the enemy. And you'd hear that set over there going, and you'd also hear above it that high note of what they call the keying frequency. It's a 400-cycle note that goes, 24 hours a day. 10,000 years in succession. Even today, after all these years, when I walk down 6th Avenue, Go past these construction places, I hear a familiar sound. go, 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 My heat rash starts busting out. I can take, I can taste the cell phone. I can hear, I can hear gasser behind me. We're both on our way to the latrine. I can hear the dog tags rattling. It's two o'clock in the morning. The entire company's got the GIs. And it's been just one long trip back and forth, through the heat and through the mosquitoes. And all the while you're... All right, that's the army, see. For one beautiful morning, the sun has come up like thunder out of the grease pot, and it's laying up there. The temperature's 120 degrees already. It's 5.15 in the morning. We're standing. Just waiting to be called. The first sergeant is reading rolls and you know, after a while, you don't even hear your name. It's just a rhythm. He's going, and then he hits yours. And yours is a sort of a, you go, yeah, Just stand there for a couple of minutes. Captain Cherry has decided, men, we're waiting. What has that son of a gun thought of this time? Already the anger's coming up, you know. Captain Cherry has decided that the men of the 3162nd Signal Air Warning Company at The men of the 3162nd Air Warning Company deserve... Then you start getting sick. We knew what we deserved, you know. (laughs) Deserve a little recreation. (laughs) The captain has requisitioned from the quartermaster one kit, ball diamond, M2, GI Series 3. We are going to build a ball diamond. All of you guys from Shepard to the left will work on the infield. You guys from Shepard to the right will work on the outfield. (laughs) Group of Gasser, you're in charge of that crowd. Wilson, you get over there. And you guys are going to go back over past checkpoint 7. You will build one GI Series 3 ball diamond by 530. All right, any questions? We're all standing there. And you can hear the sulfa bubbling on us. The sun is beating down. And Gasser behind me says, My God, a ball diamond. And I hear a guy next to me say something that was one of the most majestic pieces of creative profanity I've ever heard. <laughs> Moments of great stress. Even to this day, I, I that floats into my mind. It's a comfort. I know that there are something bigger than all of us. And he came out with it just. Uh, I asked him later if he had lived it. He just looked at me with two blue marbles. Well, all right, we're standing there. First sergeant says, alright you guys?" Get down to the supply room, dry your equipment, attention, equipment, draw. Up we go. You never heard that command, did you? That means get in line for the shovels and also the stuff that shovels shovel. So we're all standing in line, the heat. And and each and every one of us was given one shovel, M1, which we signed for one weed hook M7 that's the revised model with a rubber pistol grip you know (laughs) that's the gas operated one each one of us is given a weed hook a shovel and a pair of giant shears to work on your knees and hands you know and so we started to work in the sun we worked and worked all day long and what started out as a crummy detail all of a sudden became something else it became a ball diamond it became a crusade and i am down on my hands and knees and i am smoothing out the pitcher's mouth it's a pitcher's mouth and i look over to my left and there's gasser he's digging a hole he's making first base And over here I can see a bunch of guys, they are building out of the kit. Did you know there's a ball diamond kit that the Army has? They're putting up the backstop. They're clanking it together. And back of me, I can hear the guys cutting the outfield grass. Well, I look around and I see this ball diamond in the middle of the jungle. The sun is hanging over us. I can hear in the distance the radar set. It's waiting for the enemy. It's waiting for the MEs. It's waiting for the subs. And I can hear go 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 That damn 440 key note. I'm down on my knees building second base now. I'm working my way around the infield with my little squad around me. And you know it's funny, you're with a bunch of GIs. When they start a detail, there's just one long long stream of profanity, which incidentally consists of one single word, (laughs) and it is used in an infinite number of variations. You hear this great organ sound of this word going on. They even have lyrics to it. They sing it, you know. They sing it to the sound of, off we go, in a while. blue yonder. Try singing that song and inserting for each one of the regular words, one other word. It's a great song. All we're singing is to it. But at about noontime, it is beginning to taper off. And guys are beginning to hit each other on the back and say, Hey, Charlie, how about this, Charlie? And they're sliding in. Watch that. They're out of condition for sliding. Somebody's on the mod, and he's going like, Watch this, Fred. All right, Fred, watch this one. What am I throwing? What am I throwing, Fred? Now, come on, Fred, watch. That's what began to happen. Now, it is 3 o'clock, and the guys have taken their shorts and they made them into little round balls and they're playing like they got softballs, you know, they're throwing them around. And we're all out there running and nothing but our GI shoes, you know. Oh, it's great, let's go, you know. What a fantastic afternoon. When somebody arrives from down around the orderly room and he has got a softball bat and a genuine softball. It's now four o'clock the temperature is hundred and seventy five <laughs> the mosquitoes are beginning to come in for the swamps you can hear the first bull alligator letting go and all through it all you can hear the sound of that radar going oh and we're starting to fall okay. in the sun shepherds at third now all we got on because it's so hot we just have our GI shoes <laughs> What an exotic game. I'll tell you, it's fantastic. We got our little dog tags dingling there. We're standing there. All right, come on, let's see it. Come on, let him hit it, Max. Let him hit it. The ball game is good. You ought to see what happens when guys slide into second.
1: <laughs>
0: boy, boom, fantastic moments of glory, you know. Well, the ball game is really getting hot. And we are having a great time. It's now about the fifth inning. It's getting closer to that five thirty moment. When all of a sudden, out of the jungle, the little road that went back to the camp, a green staff car approached.
1: <laughs> well
0: nobody pays any attention to that, you know, we seen green staff cars, and anyway the score was four to four. Two men down, the bases loaded for Company C. And we are greedy, really sweating it up, and you can see the sulfur dripping off of us. Each one of us has got a got a little horde of mosquitoes, a little nest flying around. You don't even feel it, you know. You're scratching, running. Guys are sliding in and a dust flies. That staff car pulled alongside, ran along the first baseline, and stopped right back of the backstop. I am standing on third. And I look across that diamond and I see that car. And in the front seat of the car is a driver. Now, he doesn't look like Bodkins, our driver, who never sat up straight. Bodkins laid by the wheel all the time. Old PFC, I love Bodkins. He was drunk for 17 years. He just lay there. That's why they made him a driver. He laying there. That wasn't Bodkins' guy sitting like this. He's got a hat. We never wear hats in our outfit. He's got a hat. You know, he's got a collar and a tie. And I look. Next to me, a short is Gasser. And I look back, and Gasser is paused in motion. (laughs) He is just hanging there, see? I said, Gasser. He says, yeah. Sitting in the back seat of this car is this beautiful blonde girl. (laughs) We have not seen a girl in nine years. There isn't even a girl for thousands of miles and there's this blonde girl and she's looking out and her eyes are the size of watermelons. She is seeing something she always dreamed of. She's looking out and I see somebody on the other side of her. And I see a lot of arm waving all of a sudden, and I say, Gasser, Gasser, for crying out loud, what is it? Who is it? He said, I don't know. And the car goes, turns around, down the road and gone. And we all stood there. We all stood there. Bears start naked and for the first time we were aware of being bears stark naked and I everybody's a little embarrassed they're walking <laughs> you know the ball game the pitcher had been winging them in you know as... you never saw such a ball game and somebody somebody says we better get back <laughs> guys start getting dressed. Gas who was a corporal? We saw it. Squad.
1: <laughs>
0: now we're back in the army. Dog tags, GI shoes, sulfas, demon away, mosquitoes around us. Gasser says... Hard right, squad, attention! What face. Forward, march! we are marching back to something we knew. Something was right. We had never seen a girl in our camp before, and she had headed towards the orderly room. march. We get back in the company area, it's deserted. We march in front of the tent and stand there. Gasser is about to dismiss us. When out of the orderly room comes... First sergeant, boom! He is dressed to the hilt. He has got his O.D.s on, and the temperature is nine thousand. He's got his war O.D. dress. He's got buttons. He's got shoes to shine. Hats. He's got stripes. We didn't even we didn't even know he owned real stripes, you know. <laughs> we thought it was you know just one of those. He's got stripes. He's got things all over. He comes running down. He says, "Gas! Get out of the way!" Attention. Benny relaxed. Fifteen minutes ago, men, a staff car went to watch your ball
1: game.
0: (laughs) They were not disappointed. He stood there for a minute and he says Captain Cherry has decided that Sector 7 Quadrant 8 is to be converted into an infiltration training course by the way Section 7 Quadrant 8 was first base <laughs> Tomorrow morning at 5.30 you will fall out and commence work on a project. Baseball. And he walked away. And all of us stood there. And then it began. Somebody says, who was it? Gaston says, I don't know. I didn't even know they had girls anymore.
1: (laughs) Wilson says
0: it was a real one, though. And all of a sudden, Edward says, Look, why didn't we all rush the car?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then Watkins says, But the trouble is, when your real opportunity arrives, you're never ready for it.
1: <laughs>
0: well, we go back and sit down in the day room, and the word filters back that the commanding general of the entire core area for the first time in recorded history had decided to visit our little festering camp which he had just heard about its existence four years back and he decided to see if it was there and he also decided to take his beautiful blonde daughter Belinda who had just graduated from Bryn Mawr and wanted to see soldiers really living the way the soldiers really do live. And it drifted back to us. And you know, to this day, maybe at 3 o'clock in the morning when it's dark and it's hot, I'm walking along the street and I see ladies and I see men. A thought crosses my mind. Somewhere, there is a lady named Belinda, who probably, even at this point, cannot believe what she saw, (laughs) and she's probably got a couple of kids, (laughs) and once in a while, as she walks around in her house, she remembers what she has carried from the war. Well, you know, wherever Belinda is now tonight, baby, we here at the Limelight salute you. There's only one thing. You are sure lost up a budding baseball league. Well, thank you. (laughs) That's the Gregory Corso fan. Uh, By the way, speaking of Gregory Corso fans and bad baseball, you know, we broadcast the Mets on Channel 9, W-O-R. What station is this?
1: <laughs> Come on, AM
0: and FM, New Yorkie. Well, one more thing has to be told about that story <laughs> and about the Army. One time, I'm, I'm in the, I'm, of course, the Army, of course, used to give you free passes. How many of you guys remember getting free passes to things which... You had no real reason to go to, but they just give you a pass. And the next thing you know, you're sitting watching the Budapest String Quartet. (laughs) And everybody else is down at Mamie's, you know? (laughs) Boy, I'll tell you, I've had a couple of scenes like that you wouldn't believe. I'll never forget the time. One of the most embarrassing moments like that ever happened. Really terrible moment. And when I think about it now, I'm really embarrassed. Just a terrible embarrassment. Over here at 99 Park Avenue, and every time I ride past that on my motorcycle or in a cab, there's a new building there. And it's one of these glass things, you know, made by Reynolds Wrap. You know, aluminum, you see little bolts out there, and it's built-in obsolescence. The top floors are already sinking down into the second, you know. And every time I go past that, I remember 99 Park Avenue. How many of you know that 99 Park Avenue during the war was like, well, it was like Mecca? This was the central headquarters for all the free whoopee that all the soldiers could get if they got in line early enough. It was a gigantic USO and they gave you tickets. And so Gasser and I would go to this whole... By the way, that's another thing. There is a hotel on 57th Street that we used to stay in my squad when we would come into town in the few times we were ever near new york and they used to charge me a dollar and a half to sleep in the swimming pool (laughs) they did you know they were doing it for the boys you know it's good uh, and we would come in and and you'd give them a buck and a half and you'd go down they had cots in the swimming pool we would lay there in the swimming pool and you could smell you you know that smell of a pool and all that and about 4 o'clock in the morning, invariably, a drunken, rich guest would come running out, and off the board he'd go.
1: Because, <laughs> you
0: know, there's a sign says, pool area, you know? Well, every time I go past that hotel, I think of those days. Well, Gasser and I used to come into town. We would sleep in the pool. And we had a thing. We had the guy at the desk wake us up at 5 in the morning. Here we are, we're, clunked, we're on our t- day off. Now, why would a GI get up at 5? To get in line at 99 Park. They opened at 10. And so at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm waking up. Gasser's waking up. This is our first weekend in New York. Now, now, all of us, I'm, I'm afraid most of us have been in New York so much that we're we're very, you know, we're very blasé about it. But remember, I'm from Hessville, Indiana. Goldwater... Listen, poor old Goldwater, living out in Arizona, didn't even know about the town that Gasser was from. It was underground. (laughs) Gasser lived in a converted Pueblo. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was, and, and New York was incredible to us. We had arrived the night before and were walking around. It's just unbelievable. And they had told us to go to this hotel. And so now we're asleep in the swimming pool. Already we're living in the high life of New York. Yeah, you don't guess. Isn't this a great hotel? We're looking up. You know, we're at the 40-foot deep mark. And it's, it's fantastic. Look at the blue tile. Gee, it was well. said, you know, someday after the war, I'm going to come back and swim in this damn thing, you know? And I'm laying And we had made arrangements to be awakened at 5 because we were going... We, we both had about 7 cents in our pocket. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, we're going to be awakened, so we're going to get the free, the free tickets. So 5 o'clock, the guy's shaking me. He said, well, how are you on? He said, 5 o'clock, Mac, let's go. I said, okay, okay. The gasser gets on, and he's put, He's put, oh, hurry up, Shep. And you can see in the darkness, other GIs are getting up. They're going to get the free tickets. They see the, 30 seconds later, we're out on 57th Street. Now, the distance between 57th and 9th Avenue and Ninety Nine Park is considerable. We didn't notice, you know. So Gasser and I are walking through the darkness, closer and closer, and it seemed like four hours, and here we are, six in the morning, waiting for free love, free largesse from New York. We've been reading about this as a serviceman's town, so we're we'll waiting. There's a hundred guys ahead of us, and the line began to grow. You know, when I go up up Park Avenue now, I still see that line. It went all the way to 34th Street. You know, 99 is about a 40th. That line went all the way to 34th, turned right, went to 1st Avenue, and kind of dribbled out in the river.
1: You know? <laughs>
0: and they're all waiting, see? Well, 10 o'clock in the morning, the, the, the U.S. USO ladies come out. And they say, good morning, boys. Good morning. They open the doors, and we start moving in. Well, now, they had a system. They had a desk. And you'd walk past this desk one by one. And over here, they had a big board of all the free shows you could see. And they had them all listed here. And over here, all the free meals you could get. You know, restaurants used to give six free meals or something. You know, if you got the ticket, you'd come to this place. And here they were listed, like Horn and Harder. You know, Bickford's. Sardis You know places like Henreeses, like Will Chow's but Rikers. Uh, and Gasser says, you know that that name Rikers sounds kind of
1: good. You know, <laughs>
0: you know, we're just pressing that. Some, somehow he confused it with some name, you know, some place the diamond Jim Brady had at her You know, he says Rikers. I said no, you know I I heard of that other one, the Waldorf. The Waldorf Astoria. Isn't that that famous hotel? And the lady sitting there, who was one of these, I often wonder where these ladies went. You know, where they are now. <laughs> this lady says, that's a very good restaurant. And I said, the Waldorf Astoria? She says, yes, they have given two free tickets today. You could, you want them? I said, yeah. I said, okay with you, Gasser? Guess, yeah, yeah. He was plunking for Rikers. <laughs> He's all right, okay. So we get the two tickets, and we move to the next thing. Now, here are the shows. Now, <laughs> this, this is one of the great moments of my life. I remember back on this one, there was a new show opening. They had all these Broadway shows. They had the hockey game. They had all kinds of stuff listed. Basketball, everything up there, see and there's a show up there. Gasser says, you know, that show is pretty good. I don't know. I never been to a musical. I says, I haven't either. And right underneath it was a show called uh, Hot Jaw Whooping. And it was starring Mae West. And I said, you know, I kind of like to go to that one. And Gasser says, yeah, okay. But the show that we turned down that was opening that night was a little number called Oklahoma that's the truth the show we were going to closed 30 seconds after we got in we were the only guys in there you never saw such a thing you know there were eight other people the guys were sleeping and up there is this lady this loud lady going she's got ferns and stuff all over and fans and stuff and there's a whole bunch of tall, skinny guys, you know, painted green and brown and bronze, you know. And they're going, woohoohoohoo.
1: <laughs> Gaslight says, you know, he says,
0: I know where all the 4Fs are now. <laughs> and why they're 4Fs. And we're watching our first Broadway show. I couldn't understand a word of it. You know, they talk show busies. Well, we get out after the show, <laughs> and I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you what happened at the Waldorf. I am a PFC. My idea of a really big meal, when my mother was really going all out on Sunday, was meatloaf. (laughs) You know, meatloaf with ketchup sauce. (laughs) That was a very big meal, especially if she brought out her, her potato souffle. Which was made out of kind of library paste. It was nice. <laughs> well, you know, it's real Midwestern cooking. So Gasser and I are trying to find the Waldorf. Well, you know, I, I don't know whether you people know that those people out of New York have a peculiar abstract image of these great things in this city. I had no idea what I thought the Waldorf was like. But I just know that I didn't believe I was in the Waldorf when I was in the Waldorf. I'm standing in chandeliers, thousands of little old ladies with beads. It was the first time I ever saw Cupid dolls coming out of the wall, flying, you know. Little wings with little gold things hanging off of them, see. And the rug is up to my neck. I'm walking through it. And I am a sweaty PFC. I have not taken a shower since last Wednesday. My little, my little sharpshooter's medal is hanging down like this. I got my hat on sideways. A gasser and I are going up to the desk with our two little tickets. We get up to the desk. We say, where do we eat? This is at the Waldorf, so help me. I actually did this. He says, where do we eat? And he says, "Uh, excuse me? I said, where do we eat? Here, we've got tickets, free tickets to eat. I said, oh... That's in the Grand Diamond Escussion Ballroom. This is where? This is upstairs. Take the third elevator to the right. Get off, turn left, and open the golden door.
1: <laughs>
0: well, 30 seconds later, Gasser and I are walking up to a golden door. We open it. And in there is one of the most fantastic Dining halls I've ever seen. White tablecloths, crystal chandeliers, golden chairs, with those red damask seats, you know, the whole bit. And there isn't a single person in the room. Just empty. We got our tickets. We stand there. And a man in a white coat comes up. So what's what do you want, Mac? Sweet. <laughs> free meal here he says let me see them tickets he looks at him he says we don't start serving dinner here till 10 it's about 4 in the afternoon we stand and then I'll never believe me I have a warm spot in my heart for Waldorf Astoria ever since this moment a man in a black suit came out of an office and he had a kind of a funny accent he says, well, what can I do for you boys? He says, what can I do for you? And I said, I've got, I've got a ticket for a free meal here. They looked at it. He says, well, but you know, we don't serve dinner here until after the opera at 10. After the opera at 10. Our stomach has been gurgling. We haven't eaten since last Wednesday in the mess hall. We're sweating. He says, they Boys, he says, let me tell you something. I don't think you would like it. I said, What do you mean? He says, Well, you know, let me make a phone call. And he goes into his little office and he says, Well, hello, how are you, Otto? Hello, this is Emil down here at the ball up. Yeah, hello, huh? Really, yeah? Oh, Hilda, how big? Listen, Otto, I have a couple of boys here. Yeah. Do right by them, will you? Yeah, okay. And by the way, there is PFCs.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good. And he hangs up. He says, go to this place. Where does he send us but Luchow's? Ever read to Chows? Well, we arrived down at Lou Charles, and two guys are waiting in the doorway there. Gasser says, what's, what's up, you know? I said, are you Mr. Gasser? You Mr. Shepard? I said, yes. He said, well, come right in here. And we sit down at the table, and 35 guys are waiting on us. They are bringing us turkeys. They are bringing us popsicles. G.I. stuff, you know. They're bringing us cabbage, they're bringing us sour braten, and they're all standing back there to give us the wine, the champagne. And after it's all over, he says, says, you know, boys, he says, Waldorf Astoria is not for PFCs. (laughs) Well, ever since that time, every time I go past the Waldorf, and I see those big chandeliers, and in fact, last Wednesday, I went to a cocktail party in the Waldorf. And I came in there and I pretended like I belonged. See, I got my stripes under my sleeve now. See, I walk in, I sit down, I'm sitting at the golden ballroom. I say, I'll have lobster, please. Thermidor. Well, this whole thing is all associated vaguely with spring with the springtime of now. And one more, one more story that I have to tell you connected with the Army is that hot night in June when I had my first pass after 19 months of being away and I'm meeting the girl that I was fantastically in love with. How many of you remember that moment? How many of you incidentally always have the vague suspicion that the minute you walk away from a girl she disappears (laughs) doesn't exist anymore you know Oh yeah you know i wonder whether women know that men constantly look at women with a peculiar question mark drifting in their mind well for nineteen months i'm getting letters from dorothy and they're getting thinner and thinner (laughs) and i figure she just doesn't have time you know and then, at long last, one year after I go in, no more letters. And I, I don't care, you see. I'm on my own now. I've got a chick in Avon, New Jersey. I've got one. <laughs> I've got one in Red Bank. Wonder where she is tonight. By the way, I, maybe she's listening. Hello, baby. <laughs> it's me. You know, remember me? <laughs> remember Kingsburg and the roller rink? Yeah. Holy smokes. You mean he found out? Oh, wow. (laughs) I could see 45 girls saying, No, what do you mean he found out? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm in the Army, see. And one day, over here at Fort Monmouth, I'm given my first pass. And instantly, I think of Dorothy. Beautiful Dorothy. That girl I've been going with since I've been in high school. It's June. And I'm on my way home. Have any of you guys ever ridden during wartime on a train headed for the midwest from the east? A train that somehow you figure was booked up somewhere out in mid-ocean. Because when it came to where you were, every seat was taken. And guys were laying on the floor. Other guys were hanging from things on the ceiling with hooks, you know. Kids were crying. Old ladies were throwing up. And you don't know where they got on. Because you're supposed to be at the first stop, you know. Well, I get in this train over here at Penn Station that is heading for Chicago. I stood up all the way to Philadelphia. The train then turns right and heads to the Midwest. I'm still standing in Erie. I am now standing, it's Pittsburgh, and it's four o'clock in the morning. My knees have turned to grapefruits, and there are guys laying all around me. You can smell, you can smell the old sandwiches are beginning to cook. You can, you, you, there, there, there's a kind of aura of we're all in it together. And so I say to myself, Shepherd, I'll tell you what you better do. Get out of this car. I start waving back through the cars, one by one until I arrive at the baggage car. Have you ever been in a baggage car when you paid for first-class tickets? Well, I open the baggage car door, thinking it's just another door, you know, and here are seven guys sitting around playing pinochle. You know, with the hats on, the the, the, the engineer's caps, they're sitting around, and one guy looks up and says, What do you want, Mac? I'm just going through. I'm looking for a seat. One says, Come on in, sit down. I walked in. What a great moment. I have always, all my life, seen trains go by. I've seen cabooses. You ever seen that little light in the caboose? you wonder what kind of parties go on in cabooses? (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great warm feeling. And these guys are sitting around there playing poker. And the train is going through the night. And I sit in on a poker game playing away there, Plenty, It's five in the morning. I figure I better start getting back. One of them says, "Look, Mac, you won't find any place to sleep or nothing back there." I said, "Well, where am I going to sleep?" He said, "Why don't you just sack out here?" So I sack out. Now, what do you think I sack out on? Well, right there in the middle of this baggage car is a casket.
1: <laughs> so help
0: me, I'm telling you the truth.
1: <laughs> it's got a flag
0: on it yeah it's got a flag on it and the trainman says go ahead so I look at it it's another GI he's going home see and standing over in the end is the is the MP you know they send an MP there with it and the MP says go ahead I say go ahead sleep there yeah, go ahead. He won't care. <laughs> go on. Well, I'll tell you, I was so tired. I had been standing. I had been up for five, and maybe 500 hours. We're somewhere out near Canton, Ohio. We've gone through the mountains. And I got a decision to make. So I go over and I look down. There's a flag. So I sit on it. And, oh, did it feel good. You know that wonderful feeling of, oh, boy. You can feel your thighs. They're going, boing. And you can feel little things inside you going, Ey! And that little clock in you is unwinding. It's going, tick, 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 tick. I sit down. And these guys are bad playing, Peter. I put my feet up. Next, it's my head. And the next thing I knew, I am out. Blackness. Just like that. And then somebody's shaking me. <laughs> I wake up. And here is a bunch of men all standing at attention. The door is open. And out there, I could see a crowd of people. And there's a long black car. And I said, get up, Mac! Hurry up. Get up.
1: <laughs> Hurry up.
0: And I see a guy with a tall silk hat. And I get up and I stand there for a minute. I don't know what I'm in. You know, it's one of those insane nightmares. Casket, flags, black cars. It's all Freudian, the whole bit, you know. Guys playing peanut butter. I'm saying, PFC. I forget I'm even in the Army. You know, oh, oh, it's Allison. I said, what? what? <laughs> the PFC who's standing over here, the MP, says, come here, Mac! Quick, quick. He says, get to attention. Stand up. Standing like this. He says, God of honor!
1: <laughs> and
0: I standing like this, he says, God of honor. God of honor! Salute! He's going like that, and I go,
1: poof.
0: We're standing there. Here I am, my tie is open, you know. I've got my pants wide open, I'm still standing like this. And the mayor comes in people come in with black suits on, and there are guys with white gloves who are standing like this. Next to me, the Guard of Honor says, Guard of Honor,
1: salute, surrender, cargo.
0: door closes and I relax. I turn to the PFC next to me with the rifle and the big white helmet and say, oh, that's terrible. I feel terrible. All of a sudden I felt rotten. What have I done? And he says, wait a minute, Mac. He says, that guy was a PFC. I got the papers here. And if there was anybody who would have understood... It's that PFC. He says, as a matter of fact, he's probably glad. I say, Yeah. And then there's a brief pause, and he says, Maybe some The Gene Shepherd show came to you from W O